Welcome to the Coaching by Bell podcast, the podcast where each episode we feature women entrepreneurs, founders, and leaders in business. The podcast showcases a variety of interviews, coaching style conversations, and live coaching sessions. I am your host, Isabel Hertz. I am a business coach integrating past and present, bridging old stories with new intentions. I help people hear between the lines of their story, tap into insights, inner wisdom, and opportunities to hear their own voice as a means for change. Let's get listening. Hi, Amy. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me, Isabel. So what is your your challenge or an area where you're really kind of feeling a little bit of, of stuckness? So I'm exploring this idea of the ego. And this is something that I talk about a lot and that I've had different experiences with as I've developed and, and grown in my self-awareness and self-development journey. I used to identify the ego as the inner critic you know, this woman in my head, this girl, a lot of the time in my head who, you know, was frantic, was very scattered thoughts, uh, very repetitive, you know, and not coming from a place of grounded clarity in my body. It was more of this like rushed idea in my head. And now that evolution has come from inner critic to, you know, your mind and your thoughts and really developing into this, this deeper understanding of the ego And the ego being this self who we identify with, and that a lot of the time is pulling from files in our subconscious that are outdated. So, and when I say outdated, it's more about from certain experiences in our past, if, and this is something I'm dealing with right now in in terms of vulnerability, if you were, or if I were vulnerable with someone in the past and I was hurt by it, either in a friendship or romantic relationship, that experience is then filed into my subconscious. And if you are vulnerable, and so the belief here is that if you are vulnerable, you will get hurt. And so that narrative and that language, the ego pulls back into the subconscious, pulls it up, and then continues to say that to me even decades later and so now I'm operating of that from that place of don't be vulnerable, don't share your heart because you're going to get hurt. And that actually does affect what I want in life, it, you know, loving relationships or, you know, to have deep human connection and, and deep relationships with people, um, again, either on that friendship or romantic level. So really that issue is that what I want to bring up today is really how to continue to be aware of where the ego is showing up and really how to detach from these old beliefs, these old narratives that it is holding on to uh, and, and referencing and how to start to reprogram and shift those narratives so we can live from a more conscious and current place. Let's be clear how you're defining ego to make sure that I'm I'm tracking with you. Ego for you, it sounds like is a bit of a protective measure, a protective layer of sort of keeping you safe in some way. And that, you know, if you've been hurt before, your ego kind of comes on to help you from not getting hurt. Is that how you're using it in this context? 
Yeah. So, um, and just to take a step back, because I, I know I just dove right in. So the ego being many things, and there's positives and negatives to the ego, in, in my opinion. And the, the biggest positive is that the ego wants to protect us and keep us safe and keep us comfortable. And that can be good in so many ways, particularly when we're in danger. However, when the ego doesn't have that work to do, it's that, that idea of self-identifying. And when, they, when the ego doesn't have work to do, it creates work almost in that sense of overanalyzing, overthinking, living in either the past and, and making us feel uh, like regretful or second guessing ourselves or in the future and trying to play out every scenario. So, and I just wanted to give that caveat because I, I do very much acknowledge that um, the ego can be very positive and there's very positive traits to it. However, this, this aspect that I'm talking about is the negative or not negative, but more doesn't help us live the way we want to. And it's, it's crippling or debilitating us from really living in our truth. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it's holding you back from living fully into the person that you want and having the kinds of relationships that you want and, and nothing is good or bad. It all just is. It's an opportunity to, to, take what you're noticing, which is what I hear you talking about, to take the ego in this form and say, okay, how can I work with it to get more of, of what I want? And what I hear you want is you want to dive more into that vulnerability to form relationships with individuals in a romantic way or just in, in a friendship. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. What's the story that you have when you hear that part of yourself, when you hear that ego voice kind of putting in a context or, or an example of you're meeting someone new, or, or does it take a certain amount of time, you know someone or you get to know them, and then all of a sudden you hear that voice get activated and you're aware of it sort of inhibiting your depth in relationship with someone? I'll use that example again, and I think this is a good jumping off point, of the places that I've started to notice my ego showing up, and I know that it's done this for so long, I just haven't had an awareness around it, is I've noticed in situations, if I'm asking, hey, you know, what are you doing? Let's make plans. I want to I hang out with you. Instead of being honest and saying, I want to hang out with you, my ego creates all these stories and narratives around saying, asking someone, what are your plans tonight? And they say, hey, I'm busy. What do you have planned? And instead of me speaking back and just saying, well, my intention was to hang out with you. Let's try to get another date on the calendar. I start to create narratives of, okay, no, you need to seem busy. You need to like, don't let them know that they're the only thing that you have on your calendar, that like you have this life and that you, you are something to be seen, something to be acknowledged. And it's interesting because that's this narrative of this like lonely girl who I was when, when I was younger in high school and in college and not one, like wanting to prove that I have other things going on and that I'm not reliant on other people. This is great. There's a few pieces to this. First, can you hold someone in your mind and your heart and can you bring them into your physical space you know in a metaphorical way can you bring someone in who has made you feel very very held very much 
not alone, where you felt very included, welcomed, wanted, seen, valued, all of the opposites that you might experience to loneliness. I don't need to know who they are if you want to, you know, just keep that within yourself. But if you could just take a moment and identify someone, it's the very opposite experience in your life. You feel, I would say, the safest with. Yeah. And this is very interesting because I am an only child. Mm. And because of that nature, not having other children my age around in the home, I think that that is something that I've felt. And I was going to use the word battled with, but I, I don't think actually that I could use that word because I haven't been conscious to it until recently of that idea of loneliness and really feeling like there was no one around and that I wasn't supported. I was alone. So whenever I would be playing, I would be playing with toys alone. I would be in my room alone. I would be alone at the dinner table with my parents, but they were together and they were their age and they were having conversation and I was left alone to sit. I also just want to say this too. I have an amazing relationship with my parents. So it's nothing that they felt made me feel lonely or, you know, neglected me by any means. That is not it at all. It's, I think just this overwhelming sense of loneliness and needing to continue to entertain myself. And when I think about being comforted and held, I was continually from a young age up until now, continually seeking that support and love and attention and affection externally. But I never realized that that's something I needed to do for myself. Yeah. So it sounds to me like this relationship with loneliness and with hearing the ego voice almost protecting you from putting yourself out there and and saying to someone, hey, I want to be around you or I want to spend time with you. It sounds like it's coming from wanting it to be in a social setting. So peers, other people more in your age group. It doesn't sound like this comes from an adult someone older than you, a parental figure, someone who's been a role model in your life. It's peer-to-peer a little bit more. Is that true? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that especially because I was an only child, I didn't have anyone that was like automatically in my corner. Like a lot of my friends who had brothers and sisters, maybe they fought all the time, but they still always had each other. They would wake up in the morning, you know, their parents were going through something. They had each other to lean on. And I never had that. So, and and I'm just coming to realize this through speaking is I think what I realized was because I didn't just have that automatic support that there was, you know, ideas of maybe unworthiness that I wasn't worthy of having that support. So I had to change myself to be some one that other people would want to bring in. And I, like, I was always that outsider by default. It seems to me, so if I go back to the, the question of what's the story there that you told yourself, it seems to me that the story that you, as the younger, younger you, the young girl told yourself was that you needed to be someone that you weren't in order to be accepted. A thousand percent. Can you go back and think of when that first came up in you, two parts to this. One is 
Did you have a nickname? Do you have an I a way to identify you? Not as you, Amy, but as you something else that was a marker of that time period that you could kind of reference in this conversation to identify that younger self? So my inner critic name, which I'll use in this, is Francine. So my middle name is Francis. Okay. And when I was young, uh, there was a couple older adults in my life who called me Francine when I was in trouble. Okay. And so like that connection back to that young girl who was like trying to figure out who she was and trying to, you know, maybe breaking rules to like, mm. to figure that out. That's a perfect indication. <laughs> Francine. Okay. So Francine was this younger you. How old were you when you first experienced this idea that we're talking about that you had to change yourself in order to be accepted or, or liked or, or for people to want to spend time with you? Just right in that, like that cherry age range of like six, seven years old. Mm, so young, very young. Yeah. Probably third grade it was like seven, eight years old, probably. Okay. And do you remember the first person who you wanted to like you or who you wanted to hang out with or to be valued by? Can you remember at that age who that guy or girl was, that peer was? Yeah. And so it's funny because I actually, I wrote about this a few months ago because I had that vision and I was in third grade. I was walking into class. I had dressed myself that day. Like I loved like wearing like these certain shorts and this like sh certain shirt, nothing matched. Everything was, you know, chaos, but I loved it. Like that was my outfit and I dressed myself and I walked in and there was a couple girls in school, like, you know, the, the cool girls in school and their immediate remark as I walked up to the front door of class was, nice outfit. And in that moment, like that was the moment where I, I could, I can feel, and I, I am very aware that that in that moment, I abandoned myself because if they, they were scrutinizing me for being myself and doing something that I thought was cool and that I liked and that I had done. And if they weren't going to accept me for being me, then I couldn't do that anymore. I couldn't be me anymore. So from that moment on, that's when I really started changing myself and trying to, you know, dress differently, dress more trendy, X, Y, Z, right? I think that's the like crux of it all is like I abandoned myself in that moment because I I, I knew that myself wasn't going to get me liked and noticed and get the attention I wanted from others. And it's interesting because it's liked and noticed and getting the attention from of a very specific type of person you know, a, a scene as better than popular crowd in high school, in elementary school, in, in middle school, if you, if, for those people who had middle school, where, where those are the people who were perceived as being better than for one reason or another in those times in our lives, most of the time, because they're conforming. Yeah. You just had an insight. I know people can't, See us oh my gosh. Audio, but you just had an amazing insight. What, what, what just happened there? So as you were talking, I'm starting to think about what did they have that I didn't, mm. that made them seem like they had more than, 
Yeah. It was friends. Mm. It was other women, other support that I didn't have. So I jumped around to different groups, which I loved, but this particular group and like, they were so much a click where it was three, four, five girls. They were, you know, thick as thieves, always hanging out. And I, that was something that I never had and something that they had that I wanted. So I think that that's why I, they were in such a high regard to me. And when they responded that way that, Hey, you're being you and you look ridiculous. That was that moment of, okay, they have something I want. I can't be myself to get that. The insight there is very powerful that you created a story when you were six, seven years old, that in order to fit in, you had to not be yourself. You needed to conform because conforming meant you had all these friends. You had a group of people, probably a homogenous group of people that looked similar, did similar things, approved of similar things, had similar clothing. And by wearing something different and by standing out, you would never fit in. you never be valuable. You wouldn't be liked. And so the story there is, is very deep in your own identity and ability to allow yourself to have your own identity. Thank you for saying that word ability. Because, and I know I had said earlier that idea of crippling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the, there's like a, a, a through line there that it literally, I'm like not allowing myself to be me because it hurt at such a deep, deep early age. Yeah. You told Francine, you now are still telling Francine that by being her, what sounds like kind of weird, wacky, interesting, different, beautiful self, that she wouldn't ever be accepted. And acceptance is, of course, as a child, very critical, you know, to to our social life. It's not abnormal, but it came through in a way of not allowing her to shine, really. A thousand percent. And it's just hearing this all repeated back too is when you hear this, it's like you just want to hug Francine, right? And say, oh my gosh, like don't, you don't need to you don't need validation from other people. You don't need anything from anyone else. Like, but to your point at that young age, we don't have those tools and we don't, don't know all that we know now. Right. Today as Amy, what would you like to say to Francine? What would you like her to know if you could talk to her and if you could have her right beside you in the room? It would be something along the lines of, that idea of loneliness, because I think that everything that I've experienced, the foundation of that is that feeling of loneliness. And so the reason why I cared about what those girls, what their opinions were, was because I was lonely and I wanted that type of friendship. I wanted that type of, you know, I wanted to be in a group of women or, and girls at the time, right? Who supported each other, who had inside jokes, right? And so I really, I would tell her that you're not alone, that, you know, yourself, and I've been doing a lot of research around the feminine and just that polarity of the mother, right? And then like the fire within us and like just creating that beautiful 
container for creativity and nurture. And I don't know if Francine would understand that, but you know, that feminine, even that piece is we may be looking again for that external validation, either from our mom, from our peers, but really it's more about you have all of that that you're seeking inside of you. You are not alone. Well, ironically, you told yourself this story and in a way created the story as you made it even more powerful for yourself by conforming to something because it was you perceived it as being better. I want to be a part of the group at any cost is what I hear you saying. It doesn't matter what the cost is, even if I lose myself in doing that. And so that creates more in a way loneliness because you are then not connected to yourself. And that's really where loneliness stems from is when we try to be something other than ourselves, when we try to fit into things that just don't make sense or feel right for us. And so you were asking for permission from people who you perceived at the time to hold this status and this power because they were liked and accepted, but you had it inside yourself likely already to just love you, accept yourself, and then other people would probably come to you. You would find the other individuals who dressed in funky clothes or like to nerd out on the same things that you did. <laughs> and you would have become a click together. <laughs> that And that's such an amazing point. And this also spearheads because it's like how many people felt this way at that young age in grade school. And maybe it took years for them to reconnect with themselves, if at all, maybe they haven't reconnected back with themselves yet. And that idea continues to stick in my head of when you are truly yourself, being yourself, like not caring what other people think, you know, just living for you, then your light continues to shine brighter and brighter. And, you know, you're more radiant, you're more magnetic, all these things. And I would love to see, and I, I don't know exactly where, where that needs to be inserted, you know, either in education or in counseling or, you know, wh wherever it is for, for young children. But that is such a strong message and something that I wish I had learned and had someone telling me during that time. So a way to start that process of, of seeing more of that that might even spark for you in the future ideas or ways to carry this forward, a suggestion I would have would be to keep your Francine, your younger self beside you more regularly for the next couple of weeks and invite her to be a part of what you're doing, why you're doing it in a very simple way, even just asking her if she'd like to have a seat at your table, maybe for dinner, maybe while you read a book, maybe while you're working on something for your, your company, whatever it might be, just kind of bringing her in and welcoming her in for a little while and seeing what shifts for you, because she's probably still in need of some healing, you know, to know that that part of you or that way that you were showing up as a, as a younger girl is okay. She needs that permission still. And I suspect that by bringing it in over the next couple of weeks or you could do it for a month you, you know choose the time frame just be intentional about it that whatever works for you and see you know you have these ideas well it might be helpful for kids to learn more of this maybe it helps inform your work a little bit and and what you want to do with your work or, or how you choose 
to show up in your adult relationships now that will then likely inform your client work, your friendships, you know, why? So simple thing like why, why do I want to hang out with this person tonight? Let's say you, you're supposed to, or you think you want to hang out with someone tonight. Is it because I think I need to be valued and liked and included by this person or because they're just generally rad, awesome, really cool, unique. And I want more of that in my life, you know, because we know that the second is how you want to be all the time and to show up and that that is cultivating more of that vulnerability for you to be who you want to be with all people in your life. Well said. And I love that idea too. It's like Francine is not someone who I've left behind. She's very much a part of me still. And so really just embracing her and and nurturing her as part of me. I love that. And I'd love to also bring back and like just recap here. So that idea of that loneliness and that need for attention and affection when I was young. And now my ego needing to prove to others that I don't need them, right? So I'd love to explore that connection a little bit. And and yeah, what is that? Why am I creating stories and narratives and not being allowed to share my heart? So if I go back to what you've shared so far, you weren't allowed to be you. And so part of you as Francine shut down was actually her vulnerability because You were being vulnerable the moment you walked in wearing these clothes that didn't match and were kind of strange and unusual. And that was shut down. And although that's a very small, simple thing, it's a huge thing because you were rejected from being you. And so I suspect that that experience dramatically shifted in that moment. You said you abandoned yourself earlier. I suspect that you abandoned the part, that vulnerability in you that allowed you to feel comfortable to express you. And so although it was represented in clothing, it sounds like it's carried forward today to share with people why you value them, that you are free, that you want to spend time specifically with them, that that has converted over to your voice your clothes translated now to your voice as an adult. Wow. (laughs) I just took, I just wrote down all of that. (laughs) Um, Yeah. A thousand percent. That's incredible. And I think that's a really good example of how circumstances or situations that we lived at that young age can not only transfer into years ahead, but also amplify and magnify and morph into other aspects of our life. So really like, you're right. I am, I'm protecting myself and yeah, using my voice to not share the real me as a protection mechanism. Mm -hmm. What's a small part of that in you? I'm going to talk to you as the whole you. So Francine is here. You as the adult, you is here. All the parts that make up you today the challenging parts and the ones that are they're thriving right now. What is one small little thing that you would like to do with the whole you that you've never tried to do in the spirit of vulnerability? Wow. Good question. Big question. 
So two things come up and they're linked to each other. So one is not preparing. For example, whenever I have someone in my home, I clean, I make sure like everything's quote unquote perfect. So I don't feel comfortable just allowing someone to come into my space and see the real me, right? The home is like that vulnerable, like sanctuary space, right? And I feel like I need to change that comfortable place for me so someone else will, you know, not think I'm who I am. So I think that piece is just, you know, not cleaning next time someone comes over and just let them experience my space for my space and what I have around me and what I, how I live, how I am. I love that because it's such a simple thing that you can consciously do and try and just see what's different for you. And that would be a perfect opportunity to bring Francine into the space. That would be a perfect way to say, I'm going to try something new. And I know this is probably a little bit scary or whatever the language is, but will you be here with me? You know, like you almost have that, that sibling, that peer for a little while walking you through this experience. And it's such a simple thing. Don't clean, see what happens, see how you feel. And if someone mentions it, you could turn on the coach in you and you could say, I'm curious what it is about my dirty rug that makes you want to point it out or whatever whatever might come up, you could then turn on because I imagine you, from my experience of our interactions, you in your coach state, in your self-aware space, that you are a very integrated, full version of you. And so bringing that in would bring all those parts together. Yeah, I agree. And it's so amazing because that idea of when we're on, when we're in our business, we can almost be that true version and help people find that for themselves. But on the flip side of really doing that and practicing that for ourselves, that's the work, right? And that's why we, and I in particular, um, in this case, especially, you know, want to work with other coaches and do the work for myself because, you know, I can only be as good as I can be. And coaches and and working with people and and really accelerating that development and and self-awareness is how I can be better and continue to be better and and live live and be that best better version of myself every day. Yeah. Someone said to me one time, you can't coach someone through something that you haven't walked yourself through. And it stuck with me so much because it's so true. And ironically, every client I've ever helped, there's been something that they're going through that's huge. And I've gone through it and I've walked myself through it. And that wisdom allows me to hold the space and not be triggered and help them see what's going on for them. So I think there's so much value to that. And I agree. I mean, not just because I'm in the field, but I just think there's so much that we can get from seeing ourselves. And that's really what a coach does is hold up the mirror for us. Yeah, hugely, hugely. So how do you feel now about what you brought forward? Is there any looming thought, feeling, annoyance, anything that's still sort of sticking with you? I just want to thank you. And not only are you such an amazing listener and just really intuitive, but 
you've been able to really pull out all of the pieces that I've said and reflect it back to me that like that mirror, right. Of really understanding at the deeper level at that root of what is going on. And I mean, even to connect those dots between how my ego is showing up now and that need, that experience that I had where I abandoned myself of like really seeing how that was connected so deeply to vulnerability and how now that has morphed and, you know, literally like a shield protecting my entire life and like in different areas of my body, like my voice, like you mentioned, and then also just different aspects and all the different types of relationships and all the different pieces of me, you know, really how I'm like sheltering those. So really beautiful. And that idea of, you know, asking Francine, will you be here with me? Coming back to that place of, I do have a sister. I'm not lonely. I'm, I'm not alone, you know, is really amazing. And I, I, I think that that's to close here. I think continuing to find the places where I am intentionally or, you know, subconsciously not being vulnerable, continuing to see those layers of where my ego is protecting me and just one by one. Okay, cool. I'm not going to clean my place next time someone comes over. Okay. How does that go? Right. What's happening? Okay. What's the next thing? Maybe it's telling someone how I feel you know, and being out on the ledge. And if I fall, that's okay, because I can continue to come back to myself and just really knowing that I'm here for me. So, you know, I think that that's a practice that I'm going to continue. Thank you so much for that. Of, You know, it's not a major overhaul of my life. It's more about what's the one thing that I'm going to do? How did that go? Okay, cool. What's the next? What's the next? What's the next to continue to challenge myself around vulnerability and just like seeing where it's showing up? where that ego showing up. So I'll keep you posted on how this goes. I would love to know. And this was a gift for me too. So thank you for being here and bringing such a wonderful topic forward. I'm glad it was helpful for you. And I can't wait to see you be more whole in your mm. life. Me too. <laughs> me too, Isabel. <laughs> Seriously. And you know, when you think about just happiness and just being yourself. It's like, it's so easy to be unhappy when you're not, you're like constantly, you know, thinking what other people are thinking or, oh, wait, shoot, I shouldn't have said that because like, I should have said this other thing that, you know, and it's just like that mind game. And I think that's why particularly around the ego can get so loud when we allow it to run, right? And so all these practices that you have shared with me today, it's like continuing to keep that ego back in check and like really checking in with like who we are today. So yeah, really yeah. powerful. Yeah. By doing it, you'll be checking in with your stories that you've created subconsciously and you'll be checking in with yourself every single time. And so cannot wait to see what shifts happen and definitely keep me posted. And thank you again for being here. Thanks so much for having me. Look forward to talking soon. We appreciate you tuning into the Coaching by Bell podcast, created and hosted by Isabel Hertz Coaching. This podcast is made possible by the support of our listeners, community, and guests. To learn more about how to donate or to contact us about guest suggestions or anything else, head over to www.isabelhertz.com. 
That is I-S-A-B-E-L-L-E-H-E-R-T-Z dot com. Every story shared has the possibility to unlock greater potential. Coaching by Bell does this one story at a time. Thanks for listening.